about to be spoken here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I, of course, am John Alba. That is the conveyor of the delete. The broken one, the woken one, the spoken one, V1. Matt Hardy. Uh, what is up, my man? Good to be here with you. We're in person. We are in person. Always, always a pleasure when we get to lay down the audible chocolate together here. <laughs> On the extreme life of Matt Hardy, it's a nice little treat for our viewers—a little trick or treat, if you will. Yes, just uh, post Halloween, a little trick or treat from the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We got to see you and the family be different variations of Sonic. That was uh, that was the kids' idea. How'd that go over? Uh, it was good. They enjoyed it. And uh, Maxwell and Wolfie, I think it is the most mature Halloween they've had together, which okay. was very good. Uh, they're they're really growing into becoming little, real human beings, and it's, and it's so, so much fun. I heard Wolfie was. Chatting people up. Oh, my God. He is a chatterbox. He's a talky mouth, as we say. <laughs> uh, big day for the gothic baby. Obviously, it's Halloween. Yeah, it's her day. It's her favorite holiday, the gothic baby. We, I was just talking to uh, Rebby. She said some of the numbers were down. We might have to repackage her. Christmas baby? Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, Jeez. we might have to repackage the gothic baby. Huh. Let's see how that goes over. Because, as you say... Gothic baby, half-ass over. Yeah, <laughs> she is half-ass over for sure. To say the least. Uh, but last week we had a chance to talk about Uno y Dos in our Conquistadores yes. episode. Uh, any feedback you got from that one? Uh, people thought it was a lot of fun. It was a, a very fun episode, a very lighthearted uh, entertainment episode, and I enjoyed it. That was a fun little period. It was a fun little angle that was kind of, uh, it, it kind of uh, allowed us to go down a different road that we hadn't done at that time. You uh, had a chance to have your little vacation there, down in the 305? I did. I was down in the 305, uh, the hometown of the guy we're going to be talking about today, MVP, Montel Vontavious Porter. So yeah, I, I did enjoy it. It was all right. You know, I uh, once again, the ultimate optimist. I don't see the glass half empty. I see it half full. Yeah, this is going to be probably one of our most anticipated episodes. We've I think so, yeah. A lot of requests for this episode, and even in doing the research for it, so many things happened in this feud that I think people look at this as one of your most successful feuds. It is, and I hear about it all the time. And I actually got to speak with MVP earlier today, and uh, it was great to catch up with him. I haven't spoke to him in a while, and we are both really close, and, and we have a great respect and appreciation of one another, and we are legitimate friends as far as that goes. But it was uh, just great talking to him. How he says the Matt Hardy MVP feud is something that people still constantly almost on a weekly basis, come up to him and say, oh my God, when I was a kid, I loved the thing you did with Matt Hardy. It was so great. Like, who's better than who? You did all these crazy competitions. And, and it's great that it is like one of those very beloved feuds that happened in pro wrestling. Yeah, we're going to take a deep dive on that on this edition of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. But before we can do that, a few things we got to plug. WrestleCade, November 27th, the Omega Championship Reunion, we're going to call it. It's going to be a really fantastic panel there over at WrestleCade on the Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Matt and I are going to be there alongside some Omega Originals. And if you've been following The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, you know that one of our very first episodes was all about Omega. Yes. And we've done some subsequent episodes about some characters from from Omega 2, what can people look forward to in that panel that we're going to have? It's going to be such a fun time because I can't even tell you the last time that all of the Omega Originals got together. And and we have everybody coming out. Uh, we're going to share some stories. We're going to talk some trash. And, and we're going to revisit the past. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And especially in that environment and considering we're getting this on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Get your tickets now, WrestleCade.com. <clears throat> 
just go to tickets. You'll see all the listings. There's a bunch of other podcasts going on there right. that weekend, too. Uh, there's going to be signings. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a yep. lot of fun. I can't wait for it. And that is November 27th down in North Kakalaki, Hardy Country, as it's referred to here. And one of the guys that will almost certainly be brought up, of course, first name Sham, last name Payne. And he's super relevant right now, isn't he, Matt Hardy? He is. He just uh, he had a hell of a promo on the Matt Cardona. He wants yeah. this match. You know, Matt Cardona said he acknowledged Champagne. He uh, said he wants a match with him. He said he wants a match with him. He acknowledged him. He, he, he acknowledged him not as his tribal chief, but he acknowledged him uh, as, a, as a legend, and he wants a match with him. And uh, by God, first name Sham, last name Payne is going to make this happen. I said we could make this happen, to which Matt Cardona replied, all right, contact my booking agent and pay the fee. <laughs> pay me my fee. <laughs> the the wee fee. Uh, it's not a wee fee for Matt Cardona. Not for Matt Cardona. It certainly <laughs> is not. But that would be a great opportunity for Champagne if we can make this match happen. It, it would be a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, he, he would take it at WrestleCade. I think he would take it the next night as we're going to be in Dorton Arena with Big Time Wrestling, mm-hmm. which is going to be Steamboat's last match. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to be on that show as well. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you're going to be we're heading over so. that way. Fingers yeah, crossed. It's looking like it. Yeah. So. That's, uh, yeah, they're right in the same neck of the woods there. So it's an easy little drive over. It's an hour and a half from Winston-Salem. So make the town, brother. Yeah. Um, just gonna make it so i can screw you over <laughs> blow blow all that stuff take out the hardy family jewels it's an easy way to get you, some heat you know i actually saw something where matt cardona posted saying that he had made the most money he made even more than WWE. did you see that at all i've heard him he, talk about he, that. he had tweeted that and and that is something that is it's amazing that is, that is real like i have done that too on those years where you're off and you're just not under contract somewhere and you're you're making all the different towns and you know maybe TV time somewhere when I was in Ring of Honor and I was in TNA, I was doing indies, and there were times where I made more money than I made with WWE. It is a real thing that can happen if you hustle and bust your ass. Well, and on top of that, with the way over-the-top content is consumed now, mm-hmm. you have more streaming. So you have Fight TV, you have IWTV, you have all these different sure. services that get products out there more. Guys have a chance to get over with an internet audience. Look at your buddy Danhausen and what he was able yeah. to do. So he, uh, He's great at what he does. He he kept himself so relevant, and he and he kept putting up so many entertaining tweets and videos and posts, whatever it may be, just to keep people talking about him. And he he kept he kept uh, himself on everyone's radar, which is is why he's succeeding well, now in AEW. And and on on the Cardona front, let's be real. Without Z, true Long Island story. A lot of these BTE might not exist. Right? That's one of the one of. One of, making clear, one of the first internet pioneer shows. I would never dare to say that it surpassed the Hardy show. Right. I was going to say, without the Hardy show, <laughs> Matt Cardona, the Z Long Island story may not have ever happened. That's a fair point. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, we, we got our fingers crossed that we can make that match happen for Champagne. It'd be great to see. And if you want to see it. Let us know at Matt Hardy Pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, please, on that. please. Cham- Champagne has uh, got his dumbbells and he's on the trampoline. He's preparing. He's ready. <laughs> just, he's ready. Just like the TWF days. Get yes, out sir. there on the trampoline. He's ready, man. And, uh, get ready there. Uh, a guy that you're also familiar with. We got to talk about this. Jeff Jarrett showing up in AEW. How about that, man? How about that? How ironic was that that uh, someone just posted something, uh, a wrestling magazine, an article where it said Matt Hardy was split open from Jeff Jarrett's guitar shot at WrestleCade 2015, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, received 22 stitches or whatever it was. And I just put, you know, this is something that I still hold against him. I said, amongst other things, you know, because we, we did have that big TNA mm-hmm. departure. And lo and behold, he shows up at AEW. So 
we might end up doing some business mm-hmm. again. I have to see again. You can hear more about that in the archives. ExtremeHardy.com out went pretty in depth on all of that stuff. Yeah. But from an executive standpoint, Jeff, one of the most well-traveled guys in the history of pro wrestling, quite frankly. Yeah. His family name has a ton of legacy. It does. And as our friend Conrad Thompson said, if cats have nine lives, Jeff Jarrett has ten. Oh, boy. So uh, More than that. What do, you, what do you think he brings to AEW? Uh, well, I will say it's something about people named Jeff. They have a lot of lives for some reason. That's a fair point. <laughs> over and over and over again. Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think he brings a ton of experience, and he has worked so much on the business side of pro wrestling mm-hmm. as far as, like, booking India, booking foreign yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. he he it, it, it is so gifted with all this great experience, all this stuff. He had a TNA, an impact that he did. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are very beneficial. A lot of qualities Jeff Jarrett has that can really help AEW continue to grow as a, as a brand. Yeah, and he, in-ring-wise, is still doing awesome work. He looks great. He looks great. Can't take that away Good from him. promos. I mean, he's he's got it going right now, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. And the last thing I want to talk about before we get to MVP my Twitter was blowing up, not just from Elon Musk raising the price on verified accounts, but also the elite. They apparently have been deleted. Hmm. Do you have anything to do with this? I mean, I am the one who who deletes. You do delete. That, so, so that's maybe. kind of your thing. You know, I, I, that is kind of my thing. Delete yeah. is kind of my thing, not to brag or anything. You so. have had T-shirts that say delete the elite, in fact. Yeah, and I, I have uh, the delete T-shirt. So, uh... Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, the Elite back, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And I, I'm very happy they're back. I will say this right here and right now. Those guys didn't do anything wrong in this situation. If anything, they were the victims. And uh, I'm telling you that from a first-person perspective. I was there. I witnessed it all. And I, I, I love all three of those guys. I've known Matt and Nick forever. Uh, I've just got to know Kenny while I've worked with AEW. But I am very happy they are returning to TV and they're back and they're, they're back in the mix. They deserve to be in the mix. What'd you make of Cole Cabana coming back? I, I was excited for it. It was great. You know, Cole Cabana, he'd just been away from AEW for a, a very long time. Uh, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't really have to sit here and go into things, but, uh, you know, we're in a position right now where he can be back at AEW TV, and I'm glad to have him back. Is there anything else you'd like to add on that general situation? Because we didn't talk about it on the podcast at length, really. We know there was investigation, all that stuff, but... Seemingly, with them coming back to TV, is there anything else you'd like to put out there on that front? Uh, no, I just uh, I feel like this investigation has happened, and I, I'm glad that their names have been cleared and they're coming back to TV. And I'm I'm very happy to see Cole Cabana, who I think is a great human being and also thinks a great performer. I'm uh, very happy to see him back on AEW programming. It's going to be really fun to see how they integrate the elite back into things. Yes, they are legit OGs in AEW, and I, I, when I saw them. Uh, yesterday, I told them, I said, oh, my God, it's so good to see you guys. I said, you guys are the heart and soul of AEW. So I, I'm just, it, I feel like the elite, I feel like Matt, Nick, and Kenny, they are in many, many ways the identity of AEW. You know, with, without those guys, you don't have AEW as it is right now. It, things are very, very different. You know, Tony Khan may have started wrestling in some capacity, but like AEW, all elite wrestling, you know, those guys, they help represent it's the them. identity yeah. of AEW. So it was very important to have them back. I'm excited to see where they go. Full gear just a few weeks away. Should be a pretty damn good pay-per-view card yeah. if they're on it. We'll still see. But either way, it's marching towards a pretty big main event between John Moxley and MJF and whatever the firm and all that 
business going on there, Matt Hardy. I, I don't want to get too in the weeds there. We don't got to give Ethan Page any more notoriety than he's already had. I hate to say this, John, but I, I got fined again last night. I'm pretty oh, sure. Really? What'd you do? Yeah, I twisted have hated Stokely Hathaway. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, they I doubled up on it once again. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah. use the twist of fate. And if I put my hands on him, they didn't see it, you know, so they're going to have to prove it. Even though you just admitted it. Yeah, whatever. I'll, there pay, will be, I'll pay the fine. There will be an investigation. <laughs> there will be an investigation. <laughs> Six weeks from now, eight weeks from now, I'll pay the fine. <laughs> I'll tell you something that is so funny. And I hope Isaiah posts this. So. He literally turned on the camera before he went out. He said, "Like, let's just do it." He said, "Let's free flow. Let's make it up as we go along." What are we gonna say? And there was, I was about to say Stokely and Ethan, but I almost like ran their names together. And I, instead of saying Stokely, I, I said Stankly, and then I kept I, calling him Stankly. I, I, stick with that, yeah. For the rest of the promo, yeah, stick with and, that. And man. like, I, I, I broke Quinn. <laughs> he couldn't even get back on camera again. He was done. He was finished. So Isaiah, if you're out there, I know you hear this. Uh, yeah, post post my uh, Stankly promo. I can't believe Stankly did that to me. <laughs> well, hell. <laughs> well, hell, Stankly Hathaway. Well, hell. I'm done talking about current events, Matt. It is time for us to get down to business here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. So with that said, hit us with your Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt must eat at Jimmy's Famous Seafood when in Baltimore. Fascinating. Fascinating. Jimmy's famous seafood, well-known and highly mm-hmm. regarded in the wrestling realm. Oh, my God. It's religion. It is. If you're in Baltimore, Jimmy's famous seafood is religion. What's your favorite thing to get there? The crab cakes? The world-famous crab cakes? Uh, the boiled, I mean, broiled seafood platter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that... And crab cakes are in there. So, bro, so it's not fried? Not fried. Broiled. It is broiled. Okay. It is broiled. It has, uh, it has fish, it has shrimp, and it has scallops. And it has a Jimmy's famous uh, crab cake. Jimmy's famous seafood for the Jimmy legs themselves. Can't beat it, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I've had them too. They're excellent. So oh, I, can't I mean, wait. but they have everything on their menus excellent. And also caught up with John, who is the guy who runs the joint mm-hmm. actually, and he's a big wrestling fan, a great dude, and and he has taken such great care of wrestlers, and especially my, like myself and my brother for so so long. I like kayfabed him. Whenever I called the order in and went ahead and paid for it, and then I talked to him after I was there, I said, "Dude, like I, you give me too much stuff for free. Like I, I, I got to pay for this this time because they take care of us so, so That's well. Good. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, just saying here we take sponsors on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, Jimmy, uh, you, you love this guy. Just, Jimmy's famous seafood. I, I'll be, I'll be rocking the sweater. You'll you probably see it here on this podcast before long. There you go. Let's get down to business. Let's talk MVP. Let's Has, do it. Hassan Amin Assad was born Alvin Antonio Burke Jr. in the Liberty City neighborhood of Miami, Florida, October 28th, 1973. We were going to do this episode. It was going to drop on his birthday, but we had to maneuver something. So a belated happy birthday to MVP here. And growing up, it was a little tough for him. His father was actually a police officer, but he joined a gang when he was 12. And he would be in juvie. He would then complete nine and a half years of an 18 and a half year prison sentence for armed robbery and kidnapping, which he started at the age of 16. That is a tough upbringing. How did that help shape the man that you now know as MVP? I mean, I think especially at a young age when you're incarcerated like that and you're gone away and you have everything in life taken away from you. I mean, that, that's a, a pretty defining moment and it, it makes you reevaluate everything. And I, I can definitely tell you from that time he spent 
away like that. He reevaluated his life. And as soon as he got out, he was going to go as hard as he could to try and achieve whatever dreams, whatever aspirations he had. And he was super motivated to do it and make things happen. Uh, obviously, you know, he was uh, rehabilitated, you know, throughout his uh, stint in doing that. And I, I know looking back, he hates, obviously, he was in there. You know, no one wants to go to, to prison. And he served a long term. Nine like, and dude, a half years. Dude, That's a lot. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing nine and a half years. I mean, he's he's a better man than I am. I mean, that 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 sounds like a struggle, but he uh, he grew out of the situation and he ended up making the most out of it. And he really, he really did take a negative situation and turn it into a positive. Hundred percent. And it's actually his parole officer that is an indie wrestler, and that's where he Correct. first gets introduced to the world of indie wrestling and pro wrestling. And he trains with Norman Smiley before he's eventually signed to Deep South Wrestling, which was one of WWE's developmental partners back in the mid-2000s. And he takes on the character of Montel Vontavious Porter, yeah. MVP. What do you think of the initial concept of the MVP character? I, I thought it was intriguing. Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting because they promoted him, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, like a you know, a, a big free agent. It's a little sports. Cuba Gooding Jr. Jerry Maguire kind of thing. Sure, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you, you would see those guys, like these these uh, athletes who are, like, sought, over, uh, sought after because they're these amazing athletes. Mm -hmm. And whatever pro team ends up landing them, they're going to have, like, a, a huge boost from from getting those guys. And that's, that's how he was promoted. And, and I thought it was really interesting. And even I thought his outfit right from the jump, it was different. And I know a lot of people jumped on him with the Power Ranger chance and whatnot. But I, I, I liked it, too, because it was different it was a little bit of out-of-the-box thinking and two if you are supposed to be an obnoxious heel if you dress a little yeah. obnoxiously that's not a bad thing not at all <laughs> not at all michael psa's might know a thing or two about that you, you once again <laughs> and, and i say this all the time yes indeed but like if you're if you're a heel people don't have to like you and yeah. you, people don't have to think you're cool they don't need to think you're cool they they need to they need to look at you and they need to be pissed off. So that, that doesn't bother me at all, wearing that flamboyant outfit. He gets a pretty big push right away in terms of exposure. They're going all in here. He's got he's doing press conferences. They yeah. got the big inflatables for his entranceway. Yeah. It's it's a unique presentation. Why do you think Vince was so invested in that? Vince seemed to really be behind this idea. And, and that almost makes me think this whole creation of seeing MVP in this image was Vince's idea. Or at least maybe it was a collaboration, whatever, whatever. But like whenever Vince gets behind something and he feels like it is his, even if there was always this, this saying people would say back in the day, like, look, if you want to get an idea over with Vince, go to Vince and talk to him, but try and make him think at the end of the day it was, it was his, his idea. idea. Yeah. You know, and if you can do that, if he if he if he can really believe and if you can justify it that that he believes it was his idea, he's gonna get so much more behind it. And I feel like that's what he was with MVP because he was really behind that character. I'm going to pose this to you, and I can be totally off base with this, and you can tell me if I'm off base with it, but I know from reading his social media, MVP, I'm referring to pronouns, mm -hmm. pal, uh, reading MVP social media, knowing who he's worked with in his past, I know that he takes a lot of pride in black representation in pro wrestling. That's been a big thing for him. When Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship, there's that big viral video that was showed him, him tearing up for it. Him and Shad. I know representation matters a lot to him. Mm -hmm. At this time in WWE, the only real big African-American or black superstar that the company has is Booker T. He's doing the Goofy King Booker stuff shortly after this. So there is desperately a need for representation on WWE TV at this time. 
knowing Vince the way you know him and mm-hmm. the culture of the company at that time, do you think that played at all into him getting some of this spotlight here? I, w- I would guess it helped. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like Vince is much more old school in many mm-hmm. ways where he just feels like he's going to take whoever the guys he okay. believes is the most talented and he's going to push them. But I, I think Vince learned as time goes on, like, God, I mean, we really do need representation. You know, like across the entire spectrum. And I think MVP was a a great opportunity for him to take this guy and utilize him. A guy who was very talented, who had the gift of gab, uh, very athletic, had a good look, and and, and a smooth dude in the big scheme of things. And he's like, well, I think I can do something with this. And it does help, you know, uh, appeal to maybe black fans or or fans who maybe wouldn't be WWE fans. Well, representation matters, right? When somebody sees someone that looks like them or sounds like them, make it. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's how you inspire the next generation of people to watch or to even get involved. Right. So I do believe representation matters a lot. And, you know, the way that a lot of African-American wrestlers were portrayed in pro wrestling leading up to that. Right. I mean, another guy who was prominent at this time, Mark Henry. Look what Mark Henry had to go through just to get his chance. So I see this portrayal of him where there's a little Terrell Owens in him and it's... This big-time superstar athlete that, okay, there's something to lean into here. And I draw the comparisons all the time. That MVP character and Carmelo Hayes today. I know you haven't seen too much Carmelo Hayes in NXT, but it's kindred. I know. He's very high on your list. I know you put him over huge. Very much so. And I think he and MVP would be perfect. But Mm. that's besides the point. I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's something that we'll probably revisit somewhere later in this conversation on this episode because it, it is fascinating to me and, and how important that stuff is to him too. Yeah, it is. And it, he, he, it is extremely important to him. And I, I can say that from knowing him, you know, uh, very, very well as a, as a personal friend, it's very important to him. So he makes his main roster in ring debut at no mercy 2006. <laughs> and it's a fascinating night. You're facing Shane Helms on the show. The hurricane hurricane, the hurricane, he defeats a uh, job guy on this show who just happens to be one Marty Garner. And I did not realize that his first match in WWE was against your pal Marty. How'd that all come about? <laughs> uh, yeah, they. I remember whenever they were having his debut match, they built it up real big. And the creative, they, they thought about him just wrestling another contracted superstar and, and having a win. But they said, what if we even did it differently, considering he's a heel and he's a bad guy? The mindset behind it was like, let's give him just someone who's like a nobody, someone he can just go out and destroy. Like, and this is the first guy, this huge, you know, the biggest guaranteed contract in WWE history, whatever. He goes out and he beats just an extra. You know, if we have him beat an extra, then that's almost more heat. I, I think that was the mentality behind all that. So I remember that day there were a few, there were several extras there, but we actually uh, pushed and we got Marty the gig, which was very cool. And he was surely extremely grateful for that. Yeah, no doubt. First name Sham, last name Payne's going to take any bit of the spotlight that he certainly can afford. So uh, what do you remember the initial impressions being about MVP? I, I, re- I remember they were high on him. You know, they, they, they definitely had uh, high hopes for MVP. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's so funny you say this about uh, his debut match was against Marty Garner, first name Sham, last name Payne. Uh, I, I'll just... I can't really go into the story, but uh, MVP, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you are. There was that night where uh, myself and uh, you and Marty Garner ended up in Raleigh, and that was the time with the dog where he cut the promo on the girl, and then uh, all hell broke loose. And uh, it's a story we can't really go into details mm-hmm. on, but the three of us really, uh, we shared a hell of a night together. 
a hell of an experience. Matt Hardy, champagne, and MVP. Did you end up doing a trio rap in a club uh, like the no, video that's no, no it, it was a, a little bit of a, of a different scenario mm, okay. you know that, that was uh, that was back in the day you know when single Matt Hardy was a mm, thing we're, we were just all three three young bachelors hanging out we don't talk about single Matt Hardy on this podcast <laughs> right right we don't we don't we don't go into single Matt MVP for the longest time after I got married he said what the fuck what is this married Matt I don't know this guy <laughs> what the fuck I just know Mar- I just know single Matt Love you, mama. <laughs> we we I got you. <laughs> no whores on this show, I promise you that. <laughs> right. Whores are banned. <laughs> no new shirt They box. can't they can't even pay eight dollars for the verification. <laughs> new shirt boxofgimmicks.com. No whores allowed. The extreme life of Matt Hardy. On the back it says, or I'll burn your house down. You can also pick up Let It Play Out and Matt Fact, Matt Fiction. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, hell, let's continue here. So he gets a pretty big push out of the gate. And within a few months, he's feuding with Chris Benoit for the United States Championship. He has said in interviews that, and again, Chris, a very polarizing figure to talk about, but he Mm -hmm. has said that Chris pushed him to become a better wrestler, unlike just about anybody else. That he ever worked with. Did you see his progression from afar? Oh, yeah. Working with Chris? And I, I can vouch for that. If you were in the ring with Chris, he was going to push you to be better. I mean, he, every time you were in the ring with Chris Benoit, no matter who you were, he was going to push you to your limits. And especially with MVP new and just like cutting his teeth at this time, that was a, a, a great learning tool for him working with Chris. And that was also like his dream, too. He loved Japanese wrestling, mm-hmm. and he loved the stuff Chris did. And that was like, he's like, I hope I get to work with Chris Benoit. And that's who he's programmed, programmed with right off the jump. That's yeah. the first guy he works a program with. Crazy. Yeah. That's his big mania program yeah. that year. So it's, it's cool to see him get that opportunity. Again, bittersweet circumstances in hindsight, but it makes him a better wrestler. And people are starting to look at MVP right, of the way, right out of the gate as a guy who, right. this could be a main eventer. Pretty soon here in WWE, if he continues on this trajectory, right, which leads him to you. You end up facing him at the Great American Bash 2007, and he beats you for mm-hmm. the championship to retain the championship. It's a three and a half star match, according to Brian Alvarez. And you say you like the match, and they're working over your head a little bit in the match because you know classic Hardys have to be unconscious half the time. Of course. But what do you think of your first affair with him there? <laughs> well, I knew. I had spoken to people in creative, and I don't know if it was specifically Vince or people who were kind of in in charge of creative. And I knew the the angle was for me and MVP to work a program, and like I was I was down for it, and I was cool with that. And uh, whenever I was talking to him today, he said, "Oh, you remember you came up to me in Baltimore?" He said they didn't clue me in. He said, "I'm sure you got creative and you got clued in on stuff way before I did." But you came up to me and said, "Hey, brother, you ready to do some business together?" He said, I think we're going to do some good business. He said, that's what you told me. And uh, we ended up doing some pretty damn good business in the big scheme of things. Well, and selfishly, and I know you don't think of it this way, but selfishly, you got a chance to go for a pretty high-profile mid-card title here for the first time in your career. If you're counting the Cruiserweight Championship, it's a little different, but you've never, we said it a few weeks ago, you never had an Intercontinental Championship run. This is your chance to get the big win and and have a mid-card championship win for a title that's got some prestige around it. Mm -hmm. So that had to be something you were looking forward to in some capacity. Yeah, very much so. And it was, I was in a position where uh, they, they, 
at, at this time, they had a lot of faith in me. They wanted to do things with me, and I was very comfortable being a singles wrestler. And I thought getting the opportunity to work with MVP, this brand new, fresh character who Vince is really into, I was like, this is going to be a great program because we're it's going to open up a lot of doors for us to do different and creative things, which it did. Did you think that he was going to be a big-time player in WWE? Uh, I saw a ton of potential in okay. him right, right from the jump, especially after being, like, thrown into the fire against Chris Benoit right from the jump is a huge step. I mean, that that that, that can't be understated because, like, Benoit was just so intense, so ing- so aggressive, uh, and, like, the best of the best. And if you could hang with Benoit, that, that really speaks volumes about you. And MVP had been doing that. He'd been hanging with him, and, and I looked very much forward to working with him, and I thought we could elevate one another as we worked together. So you felt good after the first pay-per-view match? I did. Yeah. I did. After the first pay-per-view match, do you know where you're going with the program? No, we weren't certain of that. We just, I, I knew that they had us set to work with one another for a while. We were going to have a program that was going to carry out. And, and I know there was talk of me eventually winning the U.S. title right, right from the beginning. What I love about this feud, as we'll uncover here on this episode, you guys engaged in nuanced, layered, long-form storytelling, which, as we've discussed many times here sure. on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, that's just not the business that WWE was in for the most part at that time. Right. But there's a lot of attention to detail here in this story. So let's dive further into it. The next night after the pay-per-view, it's you and Ric Flair teaming against he and Chris Masters. Flair was the guy he beat at the previous pay-per-view before he defeated you. So you're teaming together against right. the two of you. And you guys defeat Chris Masters effectively. First off, before I get into what happened after that, you're grown up in the South, big horseman oh, yeah. guy. I have to think teaming with Ric Flair is probably a career highlight at that point for you. Yeah, absolutely. And especially just being accepted and loved by Ric Flair. You know, He just, loves the Hardy Boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially back when, you know, Single Matt was around. Ric loves Single Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to visit, but that was right, that was right up his alley. Uh, no, I, I had a great relationship, relationship with Rick. I, I love Rick. And yeah, getting to team with him and work with him on that same level was very, very special. So the thing about what MVP is saying is that you guys didn't beat me. Matt Hardy, I just beat you the other day. In fact, you couldn't beat me at anything. I could beat you at baseball, football, running, jumping, tennis, chess, hopscotch. There's no way that Matt would actually defeat MVP in any fashion. Well, you say I'll beat you. I'll choose what I want. And when I beat you, then you have to put the U.S. title on the line. And that gets us off to the races here. Mm -hmm. Who's coming up with that idea of... Anything you can do, I can do better. That was an idea that I had had initially to do with uh, Ken Kennedy. Uh, We had a little bit of a program. I know where we've talked about this on the show where they scrapped. I had a match against someone. Ken had a match against someone, and they scrapped those first two segments of the show, and they gave us like three segments mm-hmm. to go out and have a match. And, and like I told Ken, I said, we're on in five minutes. Like we, we got to go. <laughs> listen to me, listen to me out there, brother. And the, the whole deal we ended up doing that is they were going to, he, he had money in the bank and that he was going to win the title. That's just how kind of things had happened at that, that point. He was going to end up winning the title. And, uh, 
Undertaker was injured. He was going to be down. He's going to be gone for a while. And then they had me beat Ken so that they would be like a built-in contender to wrestle for the world title. And we were already like booking our world title program about what we're going to do. We we're going to like compete against one another. And if it wasn't with me and MVP, it would have been me and Ken initially being like, who's better than who? Like, you know, I, I can beat you in anything. So we had that idea. And then Ken ended up getting injured. All that stuff changed. And that didn't happen. So I even asked Ken, I said, that idea we talked about, is that cool if myself and MVP do it? And then he was cool with it. And myself and MVP, we made it our thing. I actually think it fits MVP better. It, so much better. It does. I mean, it's like... He's an athlete. It's best case scenario yeah. with MVP. He's an athlete. Yeah. So he should be able to beat you mm -hmm. at all these things. I think there's a charm to that. So that's cool that it ended up working out that way. Unfortunate that Ken got hurt. Gratefully, right. he wasn't substantially more hurt as was once feared but right. it's just funny how in life those trajectories change and you adapt on the fly and here we are talking about one of the most memorable feuds of your career that would not have happened otherwise right, right. indeed as we say the what if the what if what that's always a, a big thing man what if in wrestling uh, covers a massive amount of territory mm -hmm. and something i was going to say to all pro wrestlers out there if you're listening to this podcast one of the most important things that you need to remember in pro wrestling is like you have to make the most out of whatever opportunity you're getting sure and that's that's what it's all about whether you're a manager uh, whether you're a wrestler, whether you're a referee, whatever it is. And pro wrestling, it's the entertainment business. And if you're given a scenario, make the most of it. it things are going to change. Things are going to get altered. People are going to get hurt. You know, things are going to get switched up. But whatever scenario you're in, make the most of it. Just remember that. That's some advice that will take you a long ways. So how open door was the creative policy at this time? Because you just said that you and Ken talked about, this is what we want to do with our program down the line. And you're able to pivot that into your feud with MVP. That sounds almost bizarre to me that you'd have that much influence on the creative say in that system. Uh, we we did at that time. Uh, once again, like, uh, you know, Jeff had come back. We were teaming. Uh, I was very high. Vince, Vince was high on me. So you had earned time. that merit with Vince. I had earned that merit with gotcha. Vince where, okay. where he had a level of trust with me, a level of trust and respect. And then the, the whole thing with MVP, whenever we, we pitched him this and we started doing these challenges and these competitions, Vince really, he, he bought into it and he dug it. He liked it. And it was very much entertainment. And Vince is all about entertainment, as we know. That we do in... I ask you guys to stick around because my gut says we're going to have some good Vince McMahon stories in just a couple minutes here. So <laughs> stay put with us here. August 3rd, SmackDown. You guys have an arm wrestling contest. You beat him after he tries to stall a bunch. He steps away, uses one of those stress relievers to try to get his wrist in action. And you end up winning. Could you beat him in a shoot arm wrestling match? I don't know if I could beat anybody in a shoot arm wrestling match nowadays. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. We, we, you know, we, we were pretty much on the same level at that time, I would say. Okay. But, but I, I can say this too. Vince very specifically went over that in detail. Like he acted that out. If for you're going to do this, then you're every, do this every single bit of it. Almost like the story when I talked about Hurricane, when he said like, or maybe there you take, you take a strawberry. Maybe there you grab an apple. And he said the same things over and over. So Shane's like, I, I better take a strawberry and an apple because he's saying that. I, this is like a subliminal thing. So I know he like totally, he totally produced that. He said, MVP, this is how I want you to do it. He said, slower, take your time, suck the audience in. It was, it was so riveting to watch, you know, to watch Vince produce his thing as a heel, just how I want him to be. Well, because it's not even just that. Vince is a muscle guy, right? Oh, of course. You can't have someone looking weak in a 
arm wrestling contest, he, damn it. He's a bodybuilder because if you look weak, then the other person will eat them. <laughs> Especially if they're in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. The innate human characteristic of wanting to devour weakness. I mean, he's all about primal instinct. And you've never seen Big Mouth. Uh, the, do you know the show Big Mouth on Netflix? It's an animated show with no. John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. No, I, I Richard Kind, uh, great okay. actor. He mm -hmm. plays the father of one of the sons. And uh, his deadbeat younger brother is like, why don't we go to uh, Longhorn Steakhouse for lunch? Let's get some steaks. And Richard Kind's character goes, restaurant steaks for lunch? Who are you, Vince McMahon? Primal instincts, Matt. Yeah, primal instincts. Can't have enough protein. Vince would only eat steak. That's what a man eats, damn it. Two sticks. Yeah. The next I don't week. eat these damn vegetables. <laughs> I'll never forget when Brian, when Brian Danielson uh, told him he was vegan, Vince was like, he's vegan. <laughs> he, can't be, he can't be a tough guy. He's just so funny. You know, Vince is set in his ways. Damn it, a man eats steak. We don't eat vegetables. And Maybe that was like a legit side. thing that hung around for a few years. Too. Oh, that was. That was a legit thing. Yeah. <laughs> so MVP blames the loss on his shoot heart condition that he has the next week. And you set up a boxing match for Saturday night's main event. As a nostalgia wrestling fan, to get to get a chance to compete on a Saturday night's main event on NBC. Yeah. How was that for you? Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, to, to be in Madison Square Garden, which, you know, was the Mecca, like... It was so amazing the first time we wrestled in MSG because, like, oh, my God, it's Madison Square Garden. It's this legendary venue. You know, and you do it, and the first few times it's, like, so exciting. And then, like, it's so funny. As time goes on, you go, oh, my God, we got to go back to MSG. The traffic <laughs> is terrible. It costs $70 to park across the street. Yep. And, and, if, and if you don't beat the crowd out, it's going to be a nightmare. You're going to be stuck there for an hour, you know, whatever. Um, but MSG is a very special venue, and, and it definitely lives up to all the hype. But to be in MSG and – fighting against Evander Holyfield, the man that ended up being the substitute for MVP because he couldn't legitimately do it at that time, was amazing. Yeah, so that's exactly how this gets set up. He said he wants to fight you in the boxing match that he's agreed to fight you in, but because of his heart problem, his doctor will not allow him to. And he's choosing a surrogate to replace him. You chose yourself to face him as a result of you winning the arm wrestling well he chose evander holyfield evander holyfield one of the most world-renowned names in boxing of his era of course the man that mike tyson bit his ear right he is a legit boxing legend and evander shows up and eventually he's going to be your opponent in this boxing match at madison square garden so how did evander end up getting involved in this thing well, when you talk about MVP and his heart condition, I just want to reiterate that was a real deal. A legit thing. So right. that that was right when they Did he have a flare up or something? What what happened exactly? No, they were they were doing more stringent testing as far as like, you know, there was the wellness policy. This is I believe right after Benoit. So that they, would they make were, a lot of sense. They were doing very stringent mm -hmm. testing, especially like heart testing and just making sure that guys were like physically fit, you know, that they needed to be at the, the highest level possible to be physically fit, to be a WWE wrestler. So they were healthy and they, they, they really put a lot of importance on those issues. So they detected there was an issue with his heart and there was like this small 
hole in his heart to the best of my recollection and they need to like go in and just fix it and close it they said it's just one of those things that like he was okay doing it but mm. there are bad scenarios sure, that could come of out course. of this so yeah. it was something that needed to be addressed so they wouldn't fully fledged clear him until he got this taken care of okay. and he did and it was a pretty quick uh turnaround time yeah it was, was a quick turnaround ring, whatever yeah. so he, he did get an address and they said like it's one of those things it's great that they caught it because normally you wouldn't catch that and it's one of those things that could like kill someone early yeah you know if you have like a, a specific heart issue so how does holyfield get involved so I, I remember when they said okay well we know we're not doing the boxing match i'll never forget how just uh subtle michael hayes said this to me we were uh, talking to him about the deal, and he said, they said, okay, well, we can't have that fucking boxing match now. I said, MVP, you know, he's got the, the, the bad heart. You know, we got to get that fixed. Now that that's done, we're going to take care of it. We're going to find a substitute. And we got somebody picked out. I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, what are they going to do? Like some other wrestler, right? I'm going to fight, whatever. And maybe said, maybe Butterbean. Yeah. I said, <laughs> well, we got it. Uh, I said, okay, well, we got somebody else. We got a, uh, a substitute to, to fight for MVP. I was going, okay, cool. Who's going to do it on the roster? He said, it's going to be Vander Holyfield. And he just walked off, and I was like, what the fuck? That's a rib. <laughs> That's a rib. I'm, 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 I'm biting a Vander Holyfield? At Madison Square Garden. At MSG. How insane is that? That has got to be one of the most surreal things you've had in your career. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was it was wild. And I remember, like, there was a bunch of doubt. I was like, fuck. What if a Vander doesn't like me? What if he really tries to kill me? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. Like, people say, oh, well, wrestlers are pretty tough. You're going to go into the UFC. No. Well, and on top of that, he's a legit boxer who's never done anything in pro wrestling. Yeah. He might accidentally knock you out. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 apparently after talking to him, he had had some worked fights in the past, whatever. Oh, okay. uh, but but I'll, I'll never forget when we got there that day to MSG, we were kind of going over the bit and we went in there and it was very specific. His manager and, and his handler said, okay, okay, we need to talk to the guy. We need to, to talk to this guy and meet him because they're always worried, like, maybe they're going to put someone who is a boxer mm -hmm. against me and they're going to yeah, try to, like, yeah, shoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. knock me out or fight or whatever. And we came in and we talked to him and, and we got off to a great start. Really, really good. Uh, it was We had great interactions. It was so much fun. And we're sitting there and we're talking. I said, yeah, you know, I, I said, I throw a pretty good work punch as far as that goes, which means, you know, where I don't really hit. She's like, yeah, you know, I, I get all that. And we were messing around. We were doing that. And I was sticking and jabbing. And we were talking about kind of how we would do this dance, so to say. And then we got to a point where after 90 seconds of fucking around with me, he said, it's all right. You can go ahead and try and swing. He said, you, you won't be able to hit me. He knew. I mean, he knew. Which was so great. Nine, 90 seconds. We were like fucking around doing this shit. He said, oh, you can go ahead and swing. He said, you won't be able to hit me. So Amazing. So are you working this match like you're laying out a wrestling match? Or is it just a bunch of improv and you know you're going to hit certain spots in it? We, we end up setting, I mean, you know. Vince's creative from this right from the jump was like, this is a Vander Holyfield, one of the greatest boxers yeah. ever. And you can't make him look like an idiot either. So, so, so he needs to dominate this. But yeah. we just need, I mean, Matt's whole deal, he just needs to be resilient. As long as he will not die, you know, you keep fighting, you keep getting back up, whatever, do some knockdowns, whatever. And I remember there was a huge deal. Fit Finley was the, the ringleader of this movement too. He said, he said, Matt, I swear to God, he said, if you go out there and you, you knock him out, he said, I'll give you a thousand dollars. He said, who else will give him a thousand dollars if he tries to knock him out? And there was like this whole thing going on at one $1, going once in. Uh, right. And it was like nonstop. And their roommate was like, guys, you're going to, you guys are going to get me fucking killed. Like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be a professional here. And then speaking of getting people killed and whatnot, Speaking of <laughs> a, a, a very funny story, I would like to interject here. Yes. Well, hell, well, hell, it'll be outstanding. So, guess who was doing commentary for for this event? Mm. Boy, I can only imagine who. There was a JBL on there, and 
There was a point where he was talking with someone and their feed was on and it was live. You know, you know how you have you see these hot mic moments now mm-hmm. in politics happens a lot, right? So uh, they were a hot mic and someone had asked Bradshaw a question. They said, "Oh my God, like what do you think about Evander Holyfield? Whatever, you're gonna go back and talk to him? You know, does your wife want to take a picture with him?" He says. Bradshaw said, "Well, hell," he said, "I want to keep him as far away from my wife as I can." I said, "I think he's got uh, he's got he got babies with several different women." You know, and he said that comment or something like that. And apparently he does. He's got some kids with different women or, or whatever the deal is. And that's not the point. But yes, that, that is not the point. I mean, I'm just saying like, he no, 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 I know. I'm he, saying he, he wasn't making that up. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But, but then but then apparently and this is not apparently it was in reality. So that feed was also going into Evander Holyfield's locker room. Oh, is a live feed to his locker room. Oh, and, no. and, and the speaker was on and they heard this and his manager was his new fiance slash wife so then they got she got furious over this and they went to vince and they almost pulled out of this they Day were like of? fuck yes i mean we were there we'd yeah. already talked and like we got along great we had this great rapport you know and like it was so cool and just hanging out with him was fun talking about fighting 90 yeah. seconds you know he said oh go ahead and swing you can't hit me you know he said that and he laughed about it so he he knew I was like down to do business and, and be cool, do the gig, whatever. I wasn't gonna try and take a shot at him. And then you know they they went and his team said like I don't know if we can do this. These disrespectful comments this guy said from Mister Shoot Promo himself. Yeah, he said this is this is unbelievable. Wow, like, I can't believe they would say this. Whatever. And then uh, <laughs> I remember Vince like cuts a promo on JBL right like what the hell are you doing? Blah blah blah. Can't you just shut the fuck up? Whatever whatever he ended up saying to him, I don't know. And then. We were getting ready to go very soon. They get they got him to stay around. He's he stuck it out. He was hanging out. We we're gonna do the fight. And they said, All right, Matt, we'll go back. Michael said, You gotta go back in there and talk to Evander. Make sure he's good with everything. And I was like, uh, I'm not really looking forward to that. And I go in, I said, You hey, Evander, like <laughs> you wanna like talk about things again, you know, before you go out and you know, he says, We're good. I'll see you out there. We're good. I'll see you out there. And you can tell he's like annoyed as shit. Because he could have taken this out on you. He could have. <laughs> so we go out. We have the fight. He's professional, mm-hmm. as could be. He was great. Uh, it was cool. We took pictures at the end. And uh, once in a while, I've even seen a tweet from him on Twitter or whatever. You know, like just interrupt. He was great. Nothing but good stuff to say about Evander Holyfield. But at the end of the night, I'll never forget. We were back there, and I was talking with Vince and Bradshaw. And uh, Vince said, Fuck. John, what the fuck is wrong with you? We almost lost to Vander, damn it. We almost lost to Vander. He said, are you kidding me, Vince? He said, we almost lost Matt. <laughs> which, even made Vince, which even made Vince laugh. Oh, my goodness. And he's right. Like, I, I, I didn't know. When we went out there, I, that was one of the most. When I, I go to the ring for a wrestling match, I'm pretty calm. You know, there's like the typical butterflies you get, which are healthy and whatnot. But like going to that ring. To do a half-ass worked fight with a yeah, Vander Holyfield, yeah. and, and knowing he's pissed off, and he can take it on me, and like if he wants to kill oh me, my he God, can absolutely. He can knock my ass out, and I can't do anything to stop him. And it was one of those things I'll never forget when Vince like tried to like Vince tried to like definitely VKM like John, what the hell's wrong with you? We almost lost a Vander. He said, "Are you kidding? We almost lost Matt." And just the way he said it and the delivery of it just well, popped Vince so much. I, and that was kind of I was almost half ass hoping that story was going to be leading to Vince making JBL apologize to Evander. Oh, Mr. Holyfield. Uh, I, I, I think he had to. I, that, that, I, that's why they stuck around. He would have to. Yeah. Mr. Holyfield, I'm, I'm so sorry for all those words I said back there. <laughs> well, hell, I didn't mean to insult you. Well, hell, I was just being facetious, Evander. <laughs> 
Well, uh, eventually, MVP ends up getting knocked out yeah. at the end of the day. And you did lose in two rounds. You had your headgear on. You were protected, not, con- not getting concussed. <laughs> but overall, were you happy with how this came off? Yeah, I, 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 I wish I would... And I'll say this in, in hindsight, I wish I would have been physically more aggressive, even with punching him too. I should have tried to lay him in because like he said, you, you can't hit me. It was still, it was very intimidating going out there. I like, didn't want to do anything and try and tag him and like piss him off. So I wish I would have been more aggressive in hindsight. I, mean, I totally understand that. But thankfully you were in fighting condition, Matt Hardy. Indeed. Because you got those AG1s back there in, in 2007. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the one scoop solution. Delicious scoop of AG1 every day. You absorb whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. More than 75 of them, Matt Hardy. They go right to your body to support your gut health, aging, nervous system, all of those things. Even back then at Madison Square Garden that night. That's how you're able to go toe-to-toe with Evander Holyfield. You're damn right. Not only am I one of the best wrestlers in the world, I'm one of the best boxers. Absolutely. God because damn it. Absolutely. AG1s. Absolutely you are. Not promising that AG1s will make you a great boxer, but it made Matt Hardy <laughs> one that night because it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good and supporting better sleep quality and recovery. You told me last week you got like a full seven hours of sleep one day and it was the greatest night of your life it is i covet seven (laughs) hours of sleep (laughs) tons of people take some kind of multivitamin every single day but it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb and ag1 is a small micro habit with big time benefits it's one thing that you can do for yourself every single day to ensure that you are getting all of those Beautiful vitamins and nutrition that you absolutely need. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health, Matt Hardy. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different supplements. This is going to look after your health all in one. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And give me a little Dusty Rhodes wind up here as you're making your entrance. How many free travel packs, Matt Hardy? Five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five free travel packs. With your first purchase, all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Thank you, AG1s. They're big time supporters. For making my life a better place. They really do. They really help you. I can tell the days that you've had your AG1s versus the days that you, you don't. You can tell. There's, there's a special little tingle going on with you. <laughs> that's what they call it. The t- the that's what that tingle is. Gotcha. Okay. So you guys have this really great segment here at Saturday night's main event, Madison Square Garden. You're supposed to wrestle at SummerSlam. And he's back working house shows at this point. But plans actually change because MVP came out the next week. And he said that you're going to have a drinking contest instead. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, they'd get some beers and the crowd is already chanting, we want Austin. They know that when beer's around. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> they know that when beer's around that Austin has to be involved yeah. at SummerSlam. They know where that's going. So you say that since he had a substitute at Saturday Night's main event, you should have a substitute. I mean, it's only fair. It's only fair. And out comes Austin. And Austin does the business. MVP does the job in this beer drinking contest. And as you know, he would eat a stunner. Yeah. 
Fun segment. Very fun fun segment. segment. Play the greatest hits. It's always going to make the crowd happy. How'd you feel about this? Uh, I liked it a lot. It was cool. I, I Whenever I heard we were doing this, and this was definitely a creative decision. This wasn't our, our decision, uh, but it was great, and especially to have Austin inserted in our thing after having the rub from Evander Holyfield. It was great for our program, too. Austin was someone that you loved working with. Yeah. You said he's a big fan of yours, so he's happy to do the business with you yeah, here. Yeah, he, he's great. Steve's always been great since day one. So, continuing here, past SummerSlam, MVP is talking to your boy Teddy Long, holla holla. <laughs> and I don't know if you've heard this, but it's kind of Teddy Long's gimmick to make some tag team matches play. I do know that's his gimmick. And he says that you and MVP are going to team against Deuce and Domino for the tag team championship because MVP says that he could win the tag titles with anyone. Right. So he says, great, let's make him Matt Hardy. Nice small attention to storytelling here. We're adding a layer to the feud. What do you think of the direction to make you guys tag team partners? I did. That was my idea. Okay. And uh, even the creative behind that, I said, like, I think you could be in there and be super arrogant. You say, you know, I, I could go win the tag team titles with the next person who walks through that door, and it ends up being me. So it was just a little bit of a logical reasoning to why we're teaming. And then ultimately, I, I feel like he thinks the play is like, okay, well, this guy's coming after me very hard and very aggressive for the U.S. title. If I can tie him up mm -hmm. with the tag team titles, if we do win them, then I can kind of... Distract him. him. I can distract him and keep hey. him off my back from uh, chasing the U.S. title. So that was kind of the whole motivation behind all that. But before we have you team, you're going to play some basketball. Yeah. And we're going to find out if white men can jump. <laughs> I'm going to read this recap from Brian Alvarez. It's pretty good here. Mm -hmm. it says, it was time for the MVP versus Matt Hardy basketball challenge. They're going to do it in the ring. This rules or not. They've got a hoop set up down on the floor. Well, that was close enough. MVP said before Matt came out, he wanted to show everyone his skills. Of course, he missed his first shot. So he tried again and he actually dunked it. He then made a three-point shot. That got some heat. So Matt came out and threw the ball in his face, then sauntered over and sunk a basket. As they were fucking around and really not getting anything accomplished, Deuce and Domino, who he refers to as the greasers, suddenly ran out and jumped both guys, laying them out with a crack in the mouth. This was like an OVW angle, and thus I approve wholeheartedly. Good setup for the tag match. This is something you cannot work. You cannot set this up as a kayfabe thing. It's basketball. You're either good or you're right. not. Right. What kind of pressure did you guys face to execute this? Um, I remember he, well, he was saying too, like he, he had like a sore shoulder or whatever. So he's worried his shot was going to be off. And he said, Vince really thought he couldn't play basketball. And he was a pretty decent basketball player. And like when I was in elementary school in the first couple years of high school, like I played every sport. I was really good at baseball. That was my thing. Uh, I was pretty good at, at football and basketball was my weakest for sure. Um, but I'll never forget as we're doing this, we talked about what we're going to do and Vince had the idea about throwing and hitting him with the ball and bouncing off whatever. And he said, no, look, man, I need you to do me one thing. He said, I don't know if you're fucking good at basketball or not. I don't give a shit. He said, but whenever you dribble that ball and you do that layup, he said, I need you to be overly white, be as white as possible, <laughs> which was so funny, which is so great. Like, you know, there's that thing. White man can't do the movie, right? White man can't jump. And he said, I think that's just like something in someone's mind. I think it's much more entertaining if you dribble it as white as possible. And I was like, sure. I said, I, I, I <laughs> can you, do that. It won't be a problem. Say, yeah, and and I did. I, I exaggerated to a degree, uh, but I'm not a great dribbler. I am not a Harlem Globetrotter. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I exaggerated to agree and, and did the stupid layup. 
And that, that was the main thing. Like, I, I couldn't miss that layup. That was like, that was like, that was the deal. So that was the most pressure. I didn't worry about the dribble. He just wanted me to dribble white. Okay. Uh-huh. Dribble um, white. But yeah, but th- that segment got, it was just so different and so out of the box and just so unique. It, it really stood well, out and people A lot it. of times when stuff like that happens in wrestling, it can come off really goofy and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. In a, why are we watching this kind of way? But the personalities who embraced the segment in you and MVP, mm-hmm. that's what makes the magic work. Right. It's kind of one of those, let's make the best of what we got here. And let's turn, I don't want to say lemons into lemonade because it wasn't necessarily bad material, but it could have been. Yeah. Very easily. Was that just your optimism of let's make the best of it kind of I, thing? I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we had an idea. And I mean, it's very much a, a tailor-made thing for WWE programming, especially at that time. You of course. Know, it fits, and Vince is all about that. Because Vince, he's, you know, he says, we're, we're not we're not pro wrestlers. You know, we make movies. That's what we do. So, you know, that, that was always his, his thing. And he was so into this angle. Once we were off and running with it, it, it we really had his ear more than we ever had. And it, and it was great. He was all behind it. Well, the next week, you have your tag match. For the titles against Deuce and Domino, he's refusing to work the match. He doesn't want to get into the match. He doesn't want to tag in. You get mad, you slap him, which is a tag. Right. You hit a twist of fate on Domino, and MVP throws you out of the ring. ring. Ryan takes the cover. Yeah. And he wins the tag titles for you guys, and he saunters off with both belts. Yeah. I like this. If we're going to do the strange bedfellows thing, let's fluke our way into a win. It's kind of like what Team Hell No did back in the day. Right. Kane and Brian. What'd you make of that whole execution and winning the tag titles? Uh, I, I mean, I thought I thought it was great. You know, I uh, suggested that idea as something that would kind of like continue to move our program forward, something to evolve it in a different way. And like him trying to distract me from coming after the U.S. title by being tag team champions. Like, no, no, don't worry about these U.S. title. We need to take care of these tag titles. They're important. They're important. They're the most important. They're paramount. You know, whatever it may be. However, he would spin it. So I, I dug that. And I thought the the finish of the match came off great. It totally fit both of our characters. You guys are going to work some with Deuce and Domino here. Do you like working with Deuce and Domino? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were fine. Yeah. No no complaints. Talk about uh, characters. Yeah. Greasers right out of Greece. It's prime UPN CW era SmackDown stuff going on there. Right. In 2007, working with Deuce and Domino. So this is going to lead to some pretty good storytelling between you and MVP over mm-hmm. the next few months. The next week, you show some backstage video of you slapping MVP to get your tag title because he took both of them with you. So you get your belt and you want a match for the U.S. title at Unforgiven. He says you can't have that match, though, because you guys actually have a tag team championship match against Deuce and Domino. And then he books you in a match against Deuce that night. And he helps you win by tripping Deuce. That's the layer of the story that I like here. He didn't make you look like an idiot. He helped you because you're his tag partner, and he's trying to convince you, hey, man, we got a good good gig going here. Mm -hmm. Is that the thinking with trying to tell that story? Yeah, let's fully focus on these tag team titles. They're the most important. We don't need to be focusing on anything else besides being the greatest tag team champions in WWE. That was the mentality behind it. And that's even what he was feigning to do with by, by doing that and tripping him. Well, the next week, you play chess. Mm-hmm. You're about to win. Are you a chess guy? Have you ever played chess before? Yeah. No, yeah? I'm, okay. I'm okay. Okay. I'm okay. Okay. So you, you shoot might be able to beat him in chess. Yeah, maybe so. Okay. He would have he beat me in basketball. Okay. <laughs> he would have beat me in basketball. Uh, but yeah, maybe he. I'm sure he's a pro- he's he's probably a pretty good. He's chess a smart player guy. Yeah. yeah. But MVP sneezes to disrupt you winning, and it. Gazuntite. Gazuntite throws the game off. 
MVP has a match against Domino, and he loses after miscommunication between you guys. So last week he helped you win, but this time he loses. He gets rolled up by Domino. Crowd's really eating this stuff up. They're into it. They want to see MVP get his comeuppance. Did you guys feel the crowds coming alive for this? They, they were into the act. You, you can tell. I mean, that's your best barometer of if you're over, if your program's over, is the people in the arena, live there, the audience watching the show as you do stuff live. And we could feel that during this time. You could tell things were working. So at Unforgiven, you're facing Deuce and Domino. MVP's about to secure the win for you guys, but you tag in and steal the win for him. Callbacks. Right. I love this stuff. This is so un-Vince McMahon-like at this time. So who's helping make sure this is a cohesive story? Um, I mean, he, he would Vince would always put in his two cents, mm-hmm. but he was very open to listening to our ideas. But especially you guys, because you've talked about this on the yeah. podcast in the past where a lot of guys would have to wait in that long line before tapings to get a chance to meet with Vince. But if it was MVP and Matt Hardy, there was more of an open door policy. Yeah. I mean, there was one time we went and there were like 12 people in line. And like he opened the door and said, all right, who's there? Oh, Matt, MVP, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> that surely didn't get you any heat with anybody. <laughs> right. I mean, he, we were like his favorite thing. Yeah. It was, it was very Why cool. do you think he liked it so much? I, just, I feel like Vince just enjoyed the entertainment aspect of it more than anything. And like we were like all in in what we were doing, you know, with these athletic competitions. And it's something he's never done before. And I feel like it's not like a retread of something. So it was fresh. It was new. It was different. And it was highly entertaining. So I think he was all behind it. I feel like Gothic Baby is controlling the mood lighting in here as we've <laughs> <laughs> right. we started in daylight. But now darkness falls upon us as we pivot to the next SmackDown. And it's a football com- competition. You have to throw right. footballs between a, a tire, mm-hmm. which seems like something that might have happened in the backwoods of North Carolina at some point. So yeah, we, I'm sure we had, we had. We definitely had one of those. You're about to win, but he intercepts the ball. Yeah. So he's just frustrated. You're consistently beating this guy in these competitions, but he's doing everything he can to prevent you from getting a chance to compete for the U.S. championship. Now, you told me off air you had a story about this segment. Yeah. So I want to say we didn't – I mean, people probably thought we had a ton of takes on that. We didn't have a ton of takes, actually. But the the thing was he was supposed to get – like one at least we wanted one from him and then mm-hmm. i was supposed to get two and then he was going to intercept the last mm-hmm. one that was kind of like the creative for it which we decided uh but th- there were times too where uh you know i sunk those first couple you know and then there was one time where the interception messed up whatever but the the most unique thing happened whenever he was doing his he'd made one and maybe the second one he threw it hit the tire and it, it bounced and you know like uh totally bounced and rebounded off the tire and he ran and he called it he said oh he said kept it on the ground and he threw it and he got it through and and sunk it and that's the take they ended up using and i was like you can't that's that's not fair you can't do that and he's like no you know i I just reacted to it i I got the rebound (laughs) whatever the term is in football too and he said and i did that and i remember stephanie like dug that so much and then i just remember like after we did i was like of course now that he had this great take i said now all the pressure's on me i can't miss whenever i come up and we we ended up nailing it where i had two two that went through and then uh the third one he intercepted there's a little extra pressure on you here to compete in these segments this is Again, you have to show that you're somewhat of an athlete in these right. things. Yeah, pro wrestling can hide a lot of guys that aren't great athletes in yeah. actuality because yeah. it's a work. Right. Not here, especially the ones that you're doing live. This wasn't live, but especially the ones yeah. you're doing live. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we still – we had to – do this and, and mm-hmm. make it work yeah. you know, for what the deal was. That's what that's what he said. Like he threw it and hit the tire and he flipped it off and just, 
you know, on the instinctually, flesh. instinctually. And he just said, Oh, it's a deflection. Oh God. And rebound. And threw it through, you know, which was and like, it fits amazing. his character. It totally fits yeah. his character. I was like, that's not fair. You can't do that. That's bullshit. You know, I like that. So then we pivot to October 5th. Mm-hmm. You're set to face Dutz and Domino again, but before you guys have a push-up contest, right? Which he pushes you from underneath you, and he cheats to win. Yeah, he like uh, chop blocks my chop arm. Chop blocks right? your yeah. arm. What did you think of that? Uh, it was very simple, but it was good. It, it told a great story. Like we're doing this deal, and he has to cheat to win. So it totally, yeah. to- totally fit what we were doing. It fit his character. Are you a push-up guy? Not as much as I used to yeah. be. I used to I used to be real big on push ups back in the day, but you know, as, as you get older and the the joints get a little more yeah. rickety, you, uh, gotcha. you you do less of those. I got gotcha. you. Again, backwoods North Carolina feels like push ups might have been a big part oh, of yeah. that workout routine. Oh, for sure. Okay. Here we go. I've been waiting all episode to talk about this story <laughs> with you. No mercy. A year later, after his debut, mm-hmm. you have a pizza eating contest. You win. And then you puke mm-hmm. on MVP. This screams Vince McMahon perhaps more than any other story that we've ever told here <laughs> on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And there's been a lot of good ones. ExtremeHardy.com. Check them out. Famously, Vince had the clip withdraws. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. Right. He loves bodily functions. Give us a scoop. And bodily fluids, apparently. Um <laughs> So, initially, if I'm not mistaken, this was in Chicago. It was. And we were supposed to have an eating contest. And when we got, we got there this day, and this is something they had determined. This wasn't our creative. And they, Vince explained what he wanted to happen. And originally, it was going to be hot dogs. Because, like, apparently, just recently, there had been, like, a hot, the hot dog eating competition. Something had triggered that. And we were going to do hot dogs. And, and MVP said, man, I hate that shit. I can't eat that, man. That's just disgusting. I won't want to eat hot dogs. He said, make it something else. And then they ended up making a pizza. But they got us the deepest dish Chicago <laughs> pizza possible, which is, you know. It's heavy. But it's, it's not something you can eat Either, fast, No, too. it's a fork and knife kind of thing. Yeah. It's terrible, you know. <laughs> so that's what they gave. And they, like, had a shit ton of it. And I was like, oh, holy shit. So because deep dish isn't real pizza, but that's besides the point. So, <laughs> so, so we're, we're going over this. And uh, Vince... Says like so we're having this eating competition. Hey, well you, you you are allergic to these hot dogs or whatever. Fuck, what kind of man's allergic to a hot dog? <laughs> he may or may not have said that. <laughs> but but it, but MVP said, man, I'm not eating that shit. I, I don't like those whatever. And he said, okay, well fine, we'll do pizza. And then they got that deep dish pizza, which was the worst. I mean, yeah. because that it's like so detrimental to everything we're doing. Yeah. Like especially if you're trying to eat pizza fast. Of course, it's pizza casserole. So yeah. And and Vince goes over the same. He said, "So what? What I'm seeing here is like you, you're eating, and you know, maybe maybe MVP does kind of win this, but you're going to win in the end because you ate this pizza so fast, you're going to puke on him. Oh, people are going to fucking love it." Is <laughs> <laughs> it? Excuse me. He said, oh, "Yeah." You know, you're fuck you're you're downing these pizzas, you know, and you've tried to eat so fast, you you're you're resilient, you will not die, you're gonna beat him in this pizza contest, damn it. And you, and you don't you don't necessarily win, but you win in the big scheme of things because you puke on him. How degrading is that to have a man puke on you? 
That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) He's popping himself with this. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. And I I remember uh, Hassan's going, He's just like, what the fuck? What, what, is this real life? Keep in mind, he's only been on the roster a year. He probably yeah. hasn't had too many Vince McMahon encounters like this. Yeah. You've been around the carousel here before. Of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we're, we're both very much taken aback by all this. Yes. Right? So then we're sitting there and said, okay, well, uh, let, let me get the prop guy. I said, uh, they said, Vince said, do you think you can make yourself throw up? I said, I, I don't know. I said, but if I'm going to do it, I really want to commit to it. And uh, I said, let me talk to the prop guy. And I said, dude, uh, I, I was looking it up online and there's some stuff that you can take that can help you regurgitate. I said, so can you get this stuff for me and mix it up and do whatever? So we, we made this special little mix. Oh, and because you can stomach anything as we've yes. talked about. Yeah. And that's just what MVP said. He said, this mother today when I was on the phone, he said, he said, you give this motherfucker that's got this iron belly that can fucking eat anything. You know, this motherfucker can eat anything, poison, and he's fine. I said, and now he's taking some shit that's going to make him regurgitate, throw up on me. So they, they get this mix and they do it. And you're supposed to take it. He said, okay, like take it 30 minutes before whatever. So I drink the stuff. It's fucking terrible. My stomach's all upset. We're doing this. We're eating. And I eventually get to that point where I do regurgitate on him a little bit. There's a little bit of puke. And it's more spit than anything else. But dude, for the remainder of that night, I was like throwing up all night and sick as fuck all night from all that stuff I took. Because like, I, I, I feel like in theory, if it was going to make you regurgitate, you should have probably taken it a few hours before. whatever. You're but doing. how does he feel about the fact that you're going to be puking on him? Um, it's not work puke. It's shoot puke. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think he was just like, all right, fuck, let's do business. <laughs> you know, he, 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 I mean, at first he was just like, I mean, give me that look. Like, is this guy serious? Is he, is he fucking with us? Is he fucking with us? But then, like you know, once he decided and he understood Vince's vision for it, we just, we just did business. What did Vince say afterwards? Like I said back there, ah, that was good shit, pal. <laughs> Wish we could have got a little more puke, though. <laughs> of course, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that. Next time. He said, I wish we, wish we could have had a little more. It was a little minimal, but it, it was good shit. <laughs> Any conversations with Michael PSAs about stuff like that? Or? Hey, so I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm pretty sure that's what Michael said. <laughs> so you're supposed to face each other at Cyber Sunday. But in real life, you get hurt in a tag match against Ray and Finley. Yes. What happened in this match? Because you are bleeding badly. Yeah, uh, it was the worst cut I've ever had. Um, I was giving uh, Ray the V-bomb, and he was going to counter it and turn it into a uh, Hurricanrana. And he did that, and just the way we landed, it just it wasn't anyone's fault. It just uh, His knee braced hit my head perfectly, and it filleted me. And I ended up having to get 22 staples from that. 22? Staples. And right, not even right, stitches, yeah, right, staples, yeah. so it was huge. But, I mean, there was a, my hairline was also fucked up. I'm already old and balding as it is anyway jesus christ it fucked up my hairline a lot and i remember like my fingers when it was first cut and it was bleeding so bad i mean like i i felt it and immediately blood just was all over my face and it was you know squirting out and whatnot there was a point where we came back and i could take my fingers and i could almost put it in the cut where it was filleted like my whole hand all four fingers and almost like lifted up a little bit that's how long the cut was it was insane did they have to like shave any hair away or anything like that? A little bit. They did. They uh, they they trimmed around it so they get the staple in. Well, you know, it could have been a lot easier for them if they yeah. had that manscaped on them. You see, this holiday season, Matt Hardy, they could have trimmed it right up. I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing. 
but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself, or the man in your life, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins this Thanksgiving season by going to manscaped.com. Use code HARDY for free shipping and 20% off. You think your holiday spread is good? Does Rebby do it big with the Thanksgiving holiday spread? What do you normally have Thanksgiving holidays? Normally we have uh, uh, turkey stuffing. She does all the Sanders stuff, and uh, she does some of the things that I like as well, like uh, the cranberry stuff I like. Uh, She usually throws some fungo in there as well. We we, do a little kickback to some Puerto Rican food as well. Well, what if she threw in the performance package 4.0 in that spread? I'm down with it. It is the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0, of course, the mower of lawns 4.0, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. Senor Benjamin's going to be at Thanksgiving. You may as well help him out with that. The crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls of sorts. Okay. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes that Weed Whacker, and I want to put over the Weed Whacker big. Oh, that sounds orgasmic. It does sound orgasmic because the weeds get huge back there on the hardy compound, and sometimes you just got to go in there and whack some. Yeah. Well, this nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary blade that is also safe because it uses proprietary skin-safe technology to prevent Nick's snags and tugs in those delicate little places and you can't forget manscapes liquid formulations the crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver toner spray they're like the pumpkin pie and the ice cream after thanksgiving dinner you can't live without this stuff your balls will be living in turkey heaven matt hardy with these formulations and i want to help our viewers and our listeners here on the extreme life of matt hardy get in on that thanksgiving fun let's do it 20% 20% off free shipping with code HARDY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HARDY. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. How will Thanksgiving dinner be received, Matt Hardy? I think there's one word in particular. I think it shall be received as wonderful. Yeah. All thanks to Manscaped. And we thank them for supporting the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I know that Thank was you, Manscaped. I know that was a little bit much doing that transition from you filleting your head, <laughs> but uh, that was my little dig there with the hair because you do get hurt from it and you ultimately get pulled from Cyber Sunday and uh-huh. he has to face Kane at Cyber Sunday instead. And on November 16th, you call him out on dodging all these title challenges. You've had enough of it. And you say it's time we're going to wrestle for the U.S. title. But he says, I can't face you tonight, bro, because we've got Miz and Morrison for the tag titles. They start targeting your knee, teaming up on you a little bit. He's not making the save. Mm. And they uh, they beat you. They win the tag titles. MVP had already decided. He said, I'm kind of going down a road here. Yeah. They beat you for the tag titles, and he seems concerned for you. He's checking out your knee, making sure you're okay. And he says, no. We're going to keep fighting. I want to institute our rematch clause right now, which, of course, sets things up and they make you tap out because they target right after your knee. Then MVP turns on you officially, beats 
the absolute shit out of you. This is a lot going on in one segment here. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the execution? Um, I, I liked it. I liked the execution. Uh, there, there was a, a deal where Miz and Morrison got a little bit of heat. They mm-hmm. got chewed out at the end because they wanted them as soon as it was over to get out of the ring, as opposed to staying there celebrating. Oh, really? So, so we could because the get, segment wasn't about them. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we could get in, into our business or whatever. Which uh, it, it's so funny because Miz was so excited, like it was his first title, and then mm. uh, I remember uh, Morrison too. They both got read the riot act by JBL at the very end. And Miz was like, so sorry. And then like Morrison, like fired up and was ready to fight him. Whatever. At the very end, he's like, what the hell's wrong with you two? Get the fuck out of the ring. If they tell you to get out of the ring, get out of the ring. And it's not about you. It's about them. Did, did they have heat with you about it? Or were you just, Oh, I'm whatever. sorry. Okay. I was, I mean, it's just, that yeah. they, they, they apologized, yeah. you know, and, and they, they were sorry they did. Because just, you're a rational human being. I try. <laughs> I try to be. It's amazing. So many people in wrestling. Yeah. Not so, so much. Uh, okay. So, so I, I, I did dig that execution and 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 the the timing we were very fortunate that he gave me that injury where my leg was going to be injured where i was going to sell it originally for just a few weeks you're going to miss survivor series because yeah continue Mm -hmm. our program but uh lo and behold uh we have a a true health emergency that ends up happening yeah which takes me out a little longer we've covered this before on the podcast but you have your emergency appendectomy Mm -hmm. and you said this is like the sickest you've been oh yeah I'll never forget, we were in Tampa, and I remember going to the building, the venue, like driving to the venue, like I was going in and out, like I thought I was going to pass out, which is looking back in hindsight, so crazy, so dangerous, even driving. And I drove to the building, and then I remember walking in, and I had to hold the walls to keep myself up to go all the way into the to the doctor's place, the trainers, and they did some tests on me, said, well, if you're this sick, something's wrong with you, we need to send you to the hospital. And then, like, I remember getting in the hospital and sitting in the waiting room, and I, like, felt terrible, I was burning up. I was sick as shit. And then I said, like, really? Like, can you guys please get me? And said, yes, sir. Just please wait. Be patient. We'll get you in. We'll get you in. Whatever. And, you know, like a hospital waiting room. The the emergency room waiting room. And then, like, uh, once they see me and the doctor talks to me. They're like, we and they were like oh my God, we got to go to surgery right now. And they're like, all oh, rushing around. So they knew what it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and my, my appendix had ruptured and I was were like feeling pain or is it just sickness? Uh, pain. Yeah, okay, and and then pain. also sick. Yeah. Like yeah. I was poisoning myself yeah. too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was toxic inside my body right. because it, it had ruptured already. Right. So they, they said like, we've got to get this out immediately. Yeah. And that was, uh, that, that was, that was brutal. I was down there, uh, for Thanksgiving and, uh, in Tampa, I had to stay in the hospital for like, three or four days after that realistically that's like a week two week recovery kind of thing but did you guys view this as an opportunity to let things simmer a little bit and take you off tv to let the feud breathe maybe yeah okay yeah i think so i mean we we were going to sell that leg injury anyway you know we were going to definitely take some time off with that because it it, it had to mean something yeah for the for there to be legit and you were saying too on the matt hardy addiction episode Mm -hmm. that it was this time period that you were really starting to physically burn out a bit. Yeah. Your back was hurting a lot. Things are not super great for you. So a little bit of time law off is not going to be the worst thing. Not at all. I was, I was a okay with it. Were you confident that you would be positioned back with MVP as you were hoping to be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. And, and if I, if I am not mistaken too, I also got my uh, elbow scoped. During that time. Okay, so we're cleaning you up a little bit. And there. I did, because, yeah. like, uh, the whole time I was working with MVP, my elbow was, like, stuck at an angle almost like this, and I literally could, like, move it very little because I had 
uh, just a ridiculous amount of bone chips in it. And I got that done while I was okay. off as well. So this and, is a blessing in disguise kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, okay. and, and I took care of that because I was. I was I was beat up in general as it was, but there were a couple things where like very serious, especially that elbow issue. Like, uh, And I'm glad I was able to address that. So you're gone for a while. Uh, until WrestleMania 24, in fact. Yeah, and I was I was going to return earlier, but that was once again a Vince call. He wanted to make this return be as impactful as possible, and he wanted to be at WrestleMania and and really make a big deal out of it. And the symmetry. This is in what would eventually be Camping World Stadium, the Citrus Bowl, right? Where you're back in that stadium in 2017 with Jeff right. returning. So you have two big moments in yeah. that stadium, and a couple magical moments. There. It's the Money in the Bank ladder match. MVP's about to win. Yeah. And Matt Hardy finally gets his comeuppance on MVP, and you pull him down. Crowd's going nuts for this. Yeah. They're real into this. How'd that feel? Uh, it, it was great to get that reaction on the way back. But you always second-guess yourself, like, oh, my God, are they going to remember? Are they going to be excited to see me? Whatever it may be. And I remember, too, I was very nervous about doing it because it was a long-ass run through the crowd. I mean, they had guards and stuff set up, but it, it's that's a massive venue, as yep. you know. You know, my, my run to get to the ring, <laughs> like, I, I really had to, my timing, I had to nail it. So I was a little nervous about that, too, but everything worked out fine. And it's interesting, too, because he holds on to the championship from November all the way to April without dropping it. Right. So you still have an opportunity, things worked out, that you're going to be able to revisit that yeah. as well. And it's, it's a big moment for you. And... What I enjoy about it, too, is that SmackDown is not the A-show here. Raw is the A-show. Mm -hmm. The people are emotionally invested in seeing Matt Hardy win that United States championship. Yeah, uh, and that that was great, uh, especially after they, they had invested so much time in our program. And it, it was cool still that Vince saved that moment for me, even to yeah. win the U.S. title. Like, you know, there, he, he could have changed it. Like, sure. you know, when I was hurt, like, how, how long is he going to be gone? Who knows? Let's just go a different direction. But he, he stayed true to the course. And he didn't change directions, and I ended up winning the US title. On the ensuing SmackDown, it's a non-title match. You beat him in that because in WWE, that's how we do things here. You got to beat the champion without the belt first before you can face him with the belt. One of my biggest pet peeves in WWE booking is that. Thankfully, we haven't seen too much of that lately. So mm -hmm. very much a Vince McMahon thing. But it does set you up for your championship match at Backlash. Right. It's a 10-month build to you. Finally facing him for the United States Championship. Almost a year-long feud. Yeah. And you beat him. And the crowd eats this up. It's a good match. Alvarez, I gave it three stars, but he said, man, the finish was great. And the crowd was super into this. How fulfilling of a moment was that for you? You're winning your first mainstream singles championship here. And it's the crowd has joined you on this journey, Matt. Uh, it, it was special. Um, very memorable. And uh, it, it really felt like hard work had paid off. And it, it was very nice to be rewarded with that, you know, and I'm so glad that myself and, and MVP, we really worked hard to, you know, think outside of the box, do something a little bit different, something unique and, 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 and creative. And, uh, and we got to pay it off in, in the process. That's exactly way. it. You got to pay it off. A lot of those feuds don't get paid off. Right. And, 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 and it's just like, you know, it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's the icing on the cake. You know, when you get to have a great program that's super entertaining and people are into your story, they're invested in it, and then you actually get to pay it off and, and you do the big blow off and the good guy finally wins. Did he bring a lot out of you as a performer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think too, like, 
Once again, we were so close at that time. There were there were times where because we were tag champs, we could even travel together and we would do stuff. We were like we had like this competitive nature in things we would do across the board. If we were like hanging out, even if we were like going to go to the bar and drink or we were going to try and pick up chicks or whatever the deal was. Like we 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 had so much fun with all that and it was really working together was like a great bonding experience for us as well as friends. Let's get to some Ask Matt's before we wrap things up here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Uh, Zoel Lopez says, MVP received heat for his outfit, but I found them to stand out compared to the traditional tights. What are your thoughts on his appearance style? You said earlier you, you kind of dug it. Yeah, I, I remember thinking when I first saw it, I said, wow, it's very different. I said, but even though it's different, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I like how it's mm-hmm. different and it's unique. You know, just someone wearing like, you know, almost the biker shorts, but then they have like the long thing and it's something like athletes would wear. It, it, it times like that. So I was in, I was down for it. Uran says, or asks rather, what was your favorite match together? So there's only a few singles matches on TV. There's plenty of tag matches. Right. But you also mentioned in the past that you and him worked the loops on the house shows and you had two different matches yeah. that you would run. Yeah. Uh, we, we had like the athletic match where we would go out and we would bust our ass and we would have that high work rate. You know, we, we would go out and legitimately like bust our ass and have like a great entertaining wrestling match. And then we also had the entertainment match. And that typically happened if uh, both of us had stayed out late, like either partying or hanging out. or <laughs> Single we, Matt Hardy. We, we didn't sleep a lot. Right. Single Matt Hardy. Single MVP. Uh, if, if we didn't sleep a lot the night before, we would do the entertainment version of the mm. match. <laughs> which still got over. Yeah, which so. still got over, especially because we had all those built-in challenges and people yep. dug doing that stuff. You know, we would do the push-up contest or something. In we, the match. We could milk the shit yeah. out of that. You yeah. know what I mean? So Brendon asks, he says, I loved all the segments you and MVP did together. What were some segment ideas pitched that you didn't get a chance to do? Were there any that ended up on the cutting room floor? No, none that I can really remember. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there was. I'm sure we had other things we, we would have liked to have done that, that didn't necessarily happen. But for what it's worth, I feel like most of the stuff we suggested ended up happening. Bryant WWE always loves to put guys who are feuding together and having them win the tag titles. What do you have to do as a performer to help keep your rivalry going yet try and become a successful tag team at the same time? Well, I, I think the in the big scheme of things, the, the, this there was a little bit of a different motive in him doing this. You know, it, it wasn't just because we we're necessarily rivals. He was intentionally trying to distract me from chasing after the U.S. title. You know, so I, I feel like because we were tag team champions, we needed to try and defend the tag team titles, and we were we should be proud and we should be honored to be mm-hmm. the tag team champions. But it, at the end of the day, the big story is his U.S. title, yes. and he's trying to distract me from coming after it. So that that was the main play, uh, as far as the the, the over overworking story goes. A couple more here. Justin asks, was there a reason that Matt and MVP didn't continue their feud once they were both in TNA? Their only match together was a tag match on an episode of Explosion that was Matt and Jeff against MVP and Kenny King. Yes, that was actually in Fedville, North Carolina, too, which oh, there you was go. very cool. Yeah, in, in our home venue, uh, the the venue where we won the tag team That's titles. That's cool. Very cool. And uh, I was this close. There was a suggestion by by Big, by John Gabbert, for me to join the Beatdown crew. So I almost ended up teaming up with him again. You know, but that wasn't really my I don't think that gig fits you. necessarily, yeah. you know, and, and it ended up not happening. But he was he was really big on doing that. And then I think myself and MVP talked him out of it. Brad asks, what do you think of MVP and the work he's doing as a mouthpiece? I, I like it. I mean, he's always been a great talker. Uh, he dresses so smooth. He, he looks super cool. And, and he looks like one of those pro athletes that is now retired. And now he's yeah. going to like collect a percentage from the new up and coming athletes. Yeah. He's the agent now. He's big money MVP. Big money MVP. Did you like the Hurt Business? 
I did. I love the Hurt Business. And it's, it's one of those things is uh, I know we've talked about before you and I, like I, it was just so hot and it was so beneficial for everyone involved. It's, it's a shame that it got, you know, broken up when it did. Snipped. Last question comes from most. Wes, would you team with MVP again today? I know you didn't enjoy teaming with him back in the day. But would you team with him all these years later? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, that that was that was one of the most fun times of my career, uh, professionally and personally. So I, I would definitely team with him again, and it would be it would be fun to, to run it back. There'd be a lot of nostalgia there. Certainly would, Matt. I really enjoyed digging into this feud with you and MVP. It's one of the more memorable runs of your career, and it even came a little later for you. And I like talking about these that don't necessarily involve Jeff because it shows that you had a lot of longevity as a singles guy and prominence as a singles guy too. You can make an argument that your win over MVP was one of the biggest wins of your career at that point. It, so It was. And uh, I, I'm really proud of that program. I'm proud of all the work we, we did. I, I'm proud of the fact that uh, Vince was so impressed with our ideas and our creative and what we were doing. And he, he really kind of gave us free reign in, in a lot of ways. Uh, so, so that was great. Our, our relationship with Vince was great during that time too. And our relationship was really close as friends, you know, outside of the ring as well. You know, w one story that I, I want to tell real quick is there were a time where we were traveling together and we had booked our hotels. We were in Moline, Illinois. So we drove to Moline. It was after a show, a live event, whatever we got there. And, they didn't have our rooms, and we had booked them. We had confirmed, and they said, well, just give us a little while. We'll, we'll get some rooms. Let it play we, out. We, we got to let it play out. We'll get these rooms. <laughs> and myself and MVP, being the guys that we were, uh, they said, look, we're going to take care of you. We're sorry this this this, this happened. Uh, it was you know an accident, but we're going to send you over to the restaurant, and if you guys want to have drinks and food, whatever, go crazy, do that. And when they're hanging out, and there's a, a lady who's bartending, she's taking care of us, whatever. And there ends up being a point where we go sit out on this patio, and it's almost like uh, these these still, you know, like those white, kind of thin, almost like netted chairs. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Long yep, chairs, yep, yep. whatever. They're 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 not super heavy, but they're 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 pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Still chairs. So we're sitting out there, and there's this weird guy that was hanging out in the restaurant the whole while, and he came out and he was speaking to us and talking to us. And I want to say at one point he asked like, Hey, could I have some money or could I do whatever? And then he was harassing the lady who was the bartender who was like bringing us food and drinks, whatever. And then there came a point where he said, look, man, we don't have anything. And you know, uh, can, can you please leave us alone? We're trying to enjoy ourselves." And then that guy like pulled out a knife on us, you know, and then he took it towards me. He said, he says, you guys are WWE, right? He said, what are you going to do? And he almost like, went us like, Whoa, like back up, man. Like let's, let's not do anything crazy. And MVP said it gave him flashbacks. He had a guy that he was with that was one of his close friends that got stabbed in the neck. And then he bled oh out and goodness. died. And he said, like, whenever this happened. And uh, I remember telling the guy, I said, look, dude, like, we're not here to fight. We're here enjoying ourselves. We're just waiting on our room to open up. So, like, uh, just put that knife away. He said, you're going to make me? You're going to make me? And he kind of, like, kind of puts it towards, you. towards yeah, me a couple yeah. times. MVP took that chair and turned it upside down, and he beat the fuck out of that guy. He said, nobody fucking does that to my partner. And that's like our thing that we would hit with one another. You know, we call each other partner. I mean, he potentially saved your life there. Uh, yeah, possibly. You know, I, yeah. I don't think this guy was going to do anything. I was trying to just like talk him off a ledge, like chill the yeah, fuck out. Yeah, you're very for a reasonable. <laughs> and, and, and MVP, you know, he saw red and he smashed that guy with the wow. chair. 
And then I, I, I remember, obviously, the police were called at that time. I remember he took the knife and he grabbed that guy and he like took the knife and like put it up that guy's nose. I said, "Whoa, partner! No, no, no! We don't need to do all that." Like I, I talked him back from that, right? And uh, ended up taking the knife and uh, threw it down the drain out there. And the cops came Good. and we had to do uh, an interview with those guys. Self defense. And then he knew. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it was. Yeah. When it was all said and that guy was all fucked up. They took yeah. him, took him to the hospital in an ambulance after he beat the shit out of him with that chair. Yeah. And then uh, we had to go out and he had to flash his put his flashlight down and he saw the knife and there was witnesses about what happened. They saw the guy pulled the knife out and was acting like he was going to stab me or whatever, but yeah, man, he beat the fuck out of him with the chair. But that, that was a, a very good example of the camaraderie hmm. that we share. He's a good oose. You know, he's a good oose. He's man. feeling a little loosey. You know, yeah. <laughs> feeling oosey. But yeah, that, 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 that was a, that was a, a great example to kind of describe our relationship outside of the ring too. We, yeah. we definitely had each other's back. That's awesome. In, in that era. So that, that was a, that was a, a wild fun story. In Moline, Illinois. Felt good to catch up with him when you chat him up. It did, about yeah. The episode. It did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens too, especially as I say with Shane, uh, and we were talking about that as well. It's like you mm. know, like when I'm working for AW and those guys are working for WWE, we're just traveling all the time. It's like you just never really see each other. Sometimes you just have to stop and like say, I need to reach out to so and so and just check in. With I'm happy he's getting another run in WWE because I felt like his first run kind of came to a quick end, like without a whole lot of reason and he got to do a lot of cool things he went to japan he yeah. went to tna had a good little run doing those things but uh, he's he's back where he belongs and he's a yeah. great mouthpiece and i know that they started with him as a producer and they were just like this guy's too good to not have on tv right so that's I, I'm, I'm glad that worked out for him it's it's a credit to him and he's very talented and he's working with omos now and we'll see what comes of all that so i'm glad we got to do this episode but next week next week's gonna be a big one we are approaching the 17th, I can't believe that, the 17th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's passing. And we're going to pay tribute to a man who is universally beloved in professional wrestling. Right. I loved our Owen Hart episode that we did. And I know Owen wasn't someone you were super close with, but you added so much insight. I have a feeling we're going to expect a lot of similar insight with Eddie. Anything you can tease the audience with ahead of that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, Eddie Eddie was a great dude all the way around. And uh, I, I say this to people all the time. I'm sure I've said it to you. I've never been in the ring with someone who can read a crowd better than Eddie Guerrero could. Can't wait. We're yeah. going to have great stories coming on that one. I'm sure it'll be a heavy episode, but it's going to be a, a really good one. Subscribe now, ExtremeHardy.com. That's where you get it. How many stars, hypothetically, could they leave us for a review, Matt Hardy? I would love for them to leave... Five single, five single, five star review. Please. Keep keep supporting the podcast, guys. This is now more than ever uh, something that Matt and I are just so passionately putting our work into. So we really genuinely appreciate any support that you may have for us. Anything else you want to add, Matt? Yeah, I, I want anyone out there that, uh, you know, may think about life and, and kind of like where they're at and like maybe it's too late for them to to change the their course or the direction they're going in, you know, maybe they they they're worried they they can't chase the dream or the aspiration they they really want to obtain. MVP is a great example of perseverance and especially being someone who was in prison for years and it seemed he he could have had a bad attitude and came out and didn't do shit, but it's someone who legitimately turned their life around and he went on to like live this life that he had dreamed of from a young child. And if he can do it, then you can too. And he's a, he's a great example and someone to to really look up to when it comes to that. It's never too late in life. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy.
I feel strongly that saving money is important. You know, if it's not something we worry about now, boy, we are really going to worry about it later. And I want to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan. Now is the time to take years off of your loan. We're routinely helping our listeners cut 5, 10, even 15 years off their loan. And you can do this without perfect credit, with no money out of pocket. You've just got to start at SaveWithConrad.com.